0: Hi uh, folks, who's Voss here from the Chris show dot com, the Chris show dot com. And I hope you're ready for some serious brain, brain, brain bleed. I'm already bleeding from the brain clearly this Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in the show folks. We certainly appreciate you coming by. We have an amazing multi book author on the show. He's written a bunch of brilliant books and we're going to be talking to him today about some of his books. Byron Reese, who has written the newest book coming out on August 23rd, 2022, stories, dice and rocks that think. How Humans Learn to See the Future and Shape It. He's written a number of amazing books, and we'll be talking to him about it. In the meantime, remember, The Chris Voss Show is the family that loves you and doesn't judge you. It just turns 13 years old this month. The Chris Voss Show is 13 years old our YouTube channel is, I think, 19 years old, although we didn't really use it much for the first uh, few years. But uh, we just got a notification of it for YouTube the other day. It's like, you're, you're 19 years old. And so fun is fun, man. Go check out all the uh, videos over there at YouTube.com, 4 chess Chris Voss, everything at Leadership Institute.com, all of our big groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those crazy places the kids are playing. Check out and follow those places. Refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go give us a five-star review on iTunes. He is an amazing, amazing multi-book author, as I mentioned. The new book, of course, you can pre-order. Stories, Dice, and Rocks That Think, How Humans Learn to See the Future and Shape It, August 23rd, 2022. You can pre-order that baby up and see it coming out here soon. Byron Reese is an Austin-based entrepreneur with a quarter-century experience building and running technology companies. He is a recognized authority on AI and holds a number of technology patents. In addition, he is a futurist with a strong conviction that technology will help bring about a new golden age of humanity. He gives talks around the world about how technology is changing work, education, and culture. He is the author of four books on technology. His most recent was described by the New York Times as in, as entertaining and engaging. Welcome to the show, Byron. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you as well. Give us your .com so people can find you on the internet, please.
1: I'm the easiest person in the world to find. I'm Byron Reese everywhere. I'm ByronReese.com. Byron Reese on Twitter. My email address, ByronReese at gmail.com.
0: There you go. That's easy to do. So what motivates you want to write this book?
1: Well, I was getting an eye exam and my eye doctor asked me a question. And it's a very straightforward question. And he, he said, why? where where are the uh, you know if we're all all that like we're all smart why aren't the other animals that are coming up and that are gonna like catch up with this like why why is there us and like everything else and so i got really interested in that question about how are people different than animals and that's that was what i started writing it on Hmm. wait people are different than animals (laughs)
0: <laughs> have you seen us lately?
1: No. Well, you know, there, there are... I mean, we obviously have animal bodies, but uh-huh. if you think about some animal that's supposed to be all smart, like, you know, a dolphin or something, and then you say, well, uh-huh. they have really died. Like, you know, they don't have the internet. I don't even have telegraphs. They don't have a still system. Like, they, I mean, they're writing. Like, what have they been doing all this time? And the, the short answer is humans are different because... It's usually different because we believe in these two things that don't really exist, the future and the past. Like, we know. Mm-hmm. So, we accumulate knowledge, and uh, it, it, it piles up over time, whereas you think about a beaver or something, it makes the same damn that it was making 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago, and that's just very different than how we do things. Maybe animals are just
0: freaking lazy. I <laughs> <Well, anyway. laughs> I'm just kidding. Hi, folks. Here's Foz here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out Chris Voss, leadership Now back to the show. So, you know, is, is it because we're, is it because we have some sort of consciousness that those animals don't, or is that not true? Oh, I think that's could very easily be part of it. I mean, hmm. of course we assume we're, they're not conscious for all I know. They've, they're sitting around thinking about shit all day long.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, uh, or let me let me back it up and, and start two million years ago, you know, where okay. all where all stories begin. There was this creature known as Homo erectus, which is supposed to be some ancestor of ours. And erectus lived for like a million and a half years. Mm-hmm. And erectus just had one tool called an Acheulean hand axe. It looks like a big arrowhead. It's kind of a curved bottom. And mm-hmm. the thing about it is those are found all over Asia, Africa, and Europe. Because erectus lived for eighty thousand generations, there are so many of these things you could buy one on eBay for like a hundred bucks. That's cool, just a million years ago. Now, the punchline of the story is is that over the million and a half years hey, they did never change. Mm-hmm. You, you, if I showed you two a million years, Bart said, which one's older? You'd have a hard time. I mean, even experts date them plus or minus five hundred thousand years, and so you think, well, wait a minute, it took us three generations to get from Kitty Hawk to the moon. How did they go 80,000 generations and not improve it any? And even more to the point, even if they hadn't intended to improve it, if they were just like copying their parents' hand axes, they would have drifted and the ones in Asia would have looked different eventually. The ones in Africa wouldn't see that. But the, the big punchline in the story is it's likely that was not a cultural object or a piece of technology. That's just something. A rectus was hard-coded to know how to build the way a bird would build the same nest. The only nest it knows how to build. So a rectus is sitting there chipping away at this thing making it, but doesn't even really know what it's doing, even more, any more than the beaver knows why it's building a dam. And the beavers don't know why they're building dams because if you put a recording of running water in the middle of a field and the beaver just walked by, that beaver's going to build a dam over it. Like, that's all it's doing. And that's all rectus did. And then, I'm getting to the punchline here and then somehow sixty seventy thousand years ago something very strange happened to us like we got bitten by a radioactive spider or something because like overnight you get beautiful cave art where you had none before you get musical instruments where we have no evidence of them. You get representative art like carved figures where they're none just like like that. And so something happened and I it could very easily be so probably gave us some language. And language is uh, the main purpose of language is not to, to communicate, but to think. But to think, you think in language. And there's a beautiful quote in the book from Helen Keller who talks about what her life was like before her teacher came. She said she didn't even realize she was a thing that was different than the universe. Oh, okay. She was not conscious. She didn't understand that there was time passing. She was just in this like state. Um, and that's what erectus I think was and then all of a sudden pow, we get we get all these powers and one of them could very well be that we experience the universe that we ha- that we are conscious and and it could be that consciousness that that was a I mean I wrote a whole book on whether computers could be conscious or not I you know been down that path and and it could be but as you point out it's kind of the unknowable thing.
0: So I have to. I can't let this joke slide. I, here I thought Homo erectus was a OnlyFans channel. I just can't waste that joke. It's too good. So, so were we dumb like most animals? Are you saying for a long time where we kept doing the same thing over and over again, right. and then sometime somewhere in there, I think this. I think the story goes: aliens stepped in and on our brains, or something. No. It's
1: funny you say that because when I was writing the book, people would always jokingly make that that remark. It's a great it, joke it's a fair one to me because what happened is so dramatic. It invites speculation that crazy. And if so something happened to us. And then all of a sudden oh, us. And, and so the, the reason there are no bronze age beavers or iron age iguanas or pre industrial prairie dogs or any of that is because the spider didn't bite them. They're, they're, they're just erectus. They're just building their dam or doing whatever they want. And uh, mm-hmm. that's your story.
0: So, yeah, So does it become like Moore's law where basically once we awaken, we just, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, you know, the thing with Kitty Hawk and flying and yeah, it's amazing how quickly we, you know, now we're in space and and we're on Mars. The, does it become Moore's law where we just slowly over time start, you know, doubling, tripling and,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, the thing about Moore's law that we, that we discovered, was that all technology seems to behave that same way. Mm. It, it doubles on a periodic basis. It may not be every two years, maybe every 100 years, or every five years, or every nine minutes, or whatever, but it doubles on a periodic basis. Mm. It, it, it appears that the complexity of life doubles every 127 million years, mm. which means if you graph it backwards from us, life formed 6, 7 billion years ago, which is pretty cool, since the Earth is only about four and a half billion years there ago. you go, so almost almost certainly if it wasn't aliens, we could very easily have had it could have come here on a we we know that microbes can survive in the vacuum of space, you know there was a, mm-hmm. we left a camera on the moon for two years, and when they took the lens cap off, it stuff under the light, but so it could be that 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 came down and was you know the seed that launched all of this.
0: Yeah, the spider that bit us is kind of an interesting sort of analogy. Is it possible that our brain just—I don't know—somehow evolved to a point of consciousness? I mean, I, I sometimes you know, I you hear the theory that people say, well, you know, snakes don't sit around and contemplate the universe and their existence, and you know, if there's a snake god, they imagine that there's a god of their own image, which is the most narcissistic sort of concept, anyway. When I think about it, you know, I, I think about I think about if you look at the universe and you go, whoever was built this thing, and then the math and everything else, he really wasn't a petty person who was sitting around as a narcissist, you know, concerned about his navel. If there was a creator, I should say, I'm an atheist. So whoever built this had to be, you know, pretty darn smart intelligence because we have no concept of building a universe or what to, how to do it. We kind of, I think, we have the we starting have the blueprint and the math, but the fact. We all can't float in space or whatever he floats in or she floats in or or it floats in let's put it that way i that, again it's narcissistic to think that it's he or she for all we know it's you know whatever I think I'm off on the wrong tangent, and I'm just going to keep running with it but no i mean how 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 do we uh, do you think animals are conscious? I think that's the question I'm trying to set up in a joke
1: so the thing about i I learned through that very directly, but the thing about consciousness it's so vexing to people is not that we don't understand it because there's a lot of things in science we don't understand and that that doesn't that's not no surprise the the thing about consciousness is we don't actually have an understanding of reality where matter can have an experience you know you a thermometer can measure temperature but you can feel warm and you and that thermometer are made of the same elements um, and so the, that's the difference. It's the experience of that feeling of warmth. So we, we don't know why matter can even do that. And so, so, okay.
0: We don't know why so, the thermometer can sense temperature? Is that what you, you know, see when you why, Or me?
1: We Which don't know that? why we can experience warmth, wow. And the thermometer can only measure temperature. Huh. People say we don't know what consciousness is, but we actually know exactly what it is. It is your experience of the universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, y- y- you can, you're built in such a way that you have all of these senses that you experience. And you have a self and it experiences decisions. And we just don't know how a matter can do that. Like, you're made out of 30 different elements. A smartphone is made out of 60. So. Mm-hmm. You know, so the question is, but why are you able to feel warmth and yeah. happiness, enjoying all that? So we have minds. Mm-hmm. And I think if we have minds, then that might be the source. So to answer your question, you do know, I think animals are conscious. I mean, again, everybody guesses. but yeah. I, w- I would assume so because I-, I do believe they can feel pain. And if yeah. they can feel pain, they're experiencing something. And if oh, that feeling, makes sense. Then they're conscious. That makes
0: sense, or I mean, could it just be a reaction? I mean, the body but it has a be, it could be, you
1: know, body it's, has it's, a, from, until the 1990s, hmm? in, until the 1990s, standard procedure for veterinarians in the United States was to operate on dogs and cats without anesthesia because they can't feel it. They may be screaming and agony, yes. but it's just some kind of reaction. That was the I argument. Similarly, by the way, we did open heart surgery on babies with no anesthesia until the late 90s. And I'm not saying the 1890s, the 1990s. We were still operating babies without anesthesia. So we, we didn't feel like they had a neural development that would allow them to feel pain. So even if they're screaming, ah, that don't really hurt. It's an easy thing to say, but you know, if you've got to err on one side or the other, you always want to err on not torturing things. Yeah. If it comes down to a, hmm, I don't know. Okay, I'll deal with that dope torture option.
0: Yeah, most, most definitely. I mean, wow, that's kind of, that, that gave me the creepy jeebies.
1: You say that animals are immortal. What's that about? Well, you know, I mentioned that we learned about the future and the past. Mm-hmm. And they're not real things. I and mean, the only thing that exists in the universe is this moment. And, and the future and the past don't. And yet we live in them, right? We're always thinking a minute ahead. Oh, I'll do that. And I'll get over in traffic. I'll take that exit then I'll swing by here and I'll pick that up like we make plans. Mm-hmm. And uh, and because, but the double, the double side of that sword is that we also know there'll be a future where we are not in it, that we will die. There's no evidence that animals have an understanding of the future. In fact, I shouldn't even say it that way. This is a well-studied thing. And mm-hmm. you may get a couple of animals that may have a very limited few-hour future view, maybe, but they're not going to, like, invest in a 401k or anything like They don't think <laughs> in time that they can do. If you don't know that there's a future, then you don't know there's a future without you. So you don't know you're going to die. So I don't mm. think animals know they're going to die. I why, why would they? Why would they? That's not even a.
0: I've had a few Nigerian snakes send me Google invites for calendar. <laughs> That's a joke. So you talk about how our lives are so full of technology compared mm-hmm. to, say, dolphins. You know, I guess dolphins don't have a Steve jobs is, is, is that what separates us from them is our ability to, I don't know, develop and scale
1: technology. Sort of, I think sort of, I mean, if you were to drop, if you were to drop you on a desert Island, Mm -hmm. you would probably do okay. Like I assume you watched a few episodes of Mythbusters and maybe some Gilligan's Island and
0: and I'd be screwed unless there was coffee. Huh.
1: And you would be actually okay. You could build a lean yeah. to it all. But if you could imagine like a real Tarzan, like a real baby that was born in the woods and didn't have our culture and dropped them on the desert island, well, they wouldn't. They'd be starting over. And so what I think makes us special is we're born into a long sequence of of. We, we have a lot of, of history behind us. We're born into that. And so I was born into more culture than Leonardo da Vinci was because I had everything up to Leonardo and everything after it. Mm-hmm. I was born into more culture than Marcus Aurelius. I had all of that. And so our stuff accumulates in the Dolphins don't. Huh. So that's the setup that of the book was that we learned how to see the future and then we mm-hmm. learned to tell ourselves these stories and the stories are not Once upon a time, the stories are how we plan and navigate life. And only much later did we start articulating them. But, but, once we could see the future and know there was a future, then the question was, how can we predict it? And that's the second part of the book, which is nice. That's what we learned about probability.
0: There you go. You know, you mentioned earlier that we're made up of, I think, what was it, 30 elements, I think it was? I, I'm actually 31 elements, okay. and I know I know where we're conscious. The 31st element is coffee, and okay. coffee is the reason we're conscious because without it, I'm not conscious. Well,
1: you know, everybody, I'm sure, <laughs> old soul that says the enlightenment happened because we went from drinking beer all day and pubs to drinking coffee, and that that was the enlightenment. Yeah, but it, there is a flip side to that though, which are counties in the United States that had been wet counties where you could buy alcohol before Prohibition. Then when Prohibition hit, the number of new patents coming out of those counties was 14% less than it had been. Wow. Wow. It it, it sounds like you need a boat. You got to have to pick me up and then you got to have the, you know, just be just lit enough to invent something like, I know I'll make a whatever.
0: Yeah. There you go. So you say we're at the dawn of act three.
1: What, what, I missed the first two acts then, uh, wanted I was stories, late to the that, show. i one' wanted stories. That's where we learn to imagine a visualized future and tell that story. Act two is about a probability. And if it means something, can I show a visual aid? Please, please do. So the question for predicting the future is how, what determines what's going to happen in the future? Mm-hmm. And there were all these different theories. It's fate, it's, it's on my vision board,
0: right? I'm like, can, I'm like, What well, we
1: didn't know is that it's this that determines the future. <laughs> so you may have seen these before. I'm about to flip it. And the, all these BBs are going to start falling. And when they uh-huh. oh, all get a piece of plastic and they're going to go to one side or the other. So let's describe this for, because the podcast is largely audio. I, and YouTube it, can it, see this. This will be lost on people. Basically, yeah. every time you flip that golden board down. All mm. these babies fall, and they bounce randomly, but they always ah. a normal curve at the bottom, a bell curve. Okay, so there's a bell curve at the bottom. What's that device called again? It's called a Galton box after a, a box. Galton who, G-A-L-P-O-N, yeah. And, and so every time you flip it, you get that bell curve over and over. I mean, if you ever flip that thing and you get a big U, it's mm. like, world's going to end tomorrow. Or Go buy a yeah. lottery ticket. Like, the universe does not behave like that. And what we learned is that there's predictability, there's predictability and randomness, and you would never have Mm. assumed that. You know, why, why is it that I mentioned the book year before last, there were 166 workplace deaths from electrocution. And the next year there were 161. Why would it be that it's the same every year? Why Mm. would it be that? And the reason is is because in order to electrocute yourself, you have to do like 10 things wrong. You have to, it has to be hot, and then you have to not check it, and then you have to touch it. And that's that B bouncing to the right every step of the way. If every mm-hmm. time you flip it, you're gonna get 150, 100, 7,500 AEO over there. And that's it, that's what determines our reality is mm-hmm. largely that, that, that falling of those bowls. But luckily there's predictability in it. So that's yeah. that back to, we were like, hey, Cool to be able to imagine the future. Can we predict it? And that's when we invented probability. That was done. Uh, These two two guys writing letters and solve a math problem that you'd give a sixth grader today. In any case, that brings us to Act Three, which has started in fifty two, nineteen fifty three, when we booted up the first transistor computer. Because what happened is we developed a science for seeing the future called probability, but we had to do it with paper and pencil, like they thought we had. And we, we built the modern world on being able to make predictions with those tools, but it didn't scale well. Well, so we built machines to do our thinking for us. And those are the rocks to think. Silicon chips, of course, being rocks and the kind of thing. And that's what Act 3 is. That's what we're using technology for. And and the reason it's more than it sounds like. Yeah, let me, let me, the, the, the reason that is such a big deal is because for billions of years, the only place we knew how to write information was in our DNA. Every creature in the world, all they could do is write information in their DNA. And uh-huh. it, it took a long time to write something new. Then all of a sudden, we got language 70,000, years ago, and our DNA expanded to be what was in our head. And then I could say, say, hey, Chris, don't eat those purple berries. And that doesn't take 10,000 years to learn. You were like, okay, I won't eat them. And then you can pass that mutation to everybody mm-hmm. instantly. Never. Now, what's important, what's cool is that we now have writing and now we have, everything that's ever been written is now the DNA of our planet. A man named Leonard Reed wrote an essay a while back called I Pencil. I don't know if you've heard of this. He points out, nobody knows how to make a pencil. There's no mm-hmm. person on the earth that knows every step of making a pencil. Nobody who can mine the ore and make the steel and bend it in the ferrule and get the yellow paint and nobody. And yet pencils get made. And so the question is, who makes the pencils? Who knows how to make the pencils? I'd say it's a superorganism called Agora. A okay. superorganism of humans called Agora. And Agora knows how to make pencils. And more importantly, Agora knows how to make smartphones. So Agora mm-hmm. is the thing. Uh, our DNA now is distributed around the planet. It's, it's in written form. Like the DNA in your body, most of it's junk DNA. But there's a lot of you know good, good stuff in it, too. And that's what runs our world is this new DNA we have and that is computers which not only can process data quickly but they can collect information as well. And and that's it. I'll, you see <clears throat> this is short, don't worry. But for the longest time you know, humanity has has been hindered by the fact we don't have a collective memory. So you can learn something your whole life and know it and then you die and it's gone. And maybe you taught one person and they die and it's gone. And and so we never could accumulate our knowledge. We you know, like, like the dolphin, we couldn't accumulate it. And then all of a sudden we, we, we could. And that mm-hmm. made, I think all, all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah. Well, did it be? Was it, was it because we started storing information? I mean, for a long time, we had historians that were griots that would, you know, keep a verbal mental history. What, what so, I, and then we started writing it down.
1: What our ultimate goal is now, the ultimate direction, this may not be anybody's goal, I don't know, but imagine if you could record every single thing that happened, Every. I mean everything, every word you say, everywhere you go, every breath you take, everything your eye tracks to, what happens to your pupils when you see it. We're building that world because we all want all these little pieces of it. Like hmm. if they made a skillet that could detect botulism or coli, mm-hmm. I'd buy this skillet and I don't want to get coli. But the skillet is therefore recording everything that it was ever made in it. And then Mm. my silverware could keep track of what I eat and and the vitamins in it so it can tell me what I need to take or whatever. I'm going to take that. So slowly we're building all the data. We're getting all the data of 8 billion lives. And then we're going to mine that data. And then that is our collective memory as a planet. That is our collective wisdom. And now, every mistake you make will be the data that, that helps somebody else down the road. And every person hmm. in the future will be smarter, will be wiser than the wisest person who ever lived. Because you're going to have billions of pieces of life experience to draw on.
0: So, now you've made me realize that all this tracking of data that we do through technology is really based upon a song about stalking by the police and Sting every movie meeting.
1: basically that's right. record it all thanks
0: Stink. Um, way to fucking go the <laughs> let, let's search more of uh, on this agora because i want to flush this out a little bit angora is or agora i didn't mean to put an end in there agora is is, is it a collaboration is it a an i a concept or idea or a real I'm creature the,
1: it's one of three things mm-hmm. did you just be a metaphor
0: is it all three things, or or three
1: things? Well, I don't think so. It's either a metaphor, a useful way to understand the division of labor, okay. or the system like mm. it are a system that can break, yeah. or it's an actual bona fide living creature. Mm. It's alive. the The notion of a superorganism is 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 this: is that you know you have something like bees, and your average mm. bee isn't very smart, but bees live in these colonies, and the colonies are smart, smarter than any bee. And the colony takes on different attributes than any of the bees. For instance, bees are are cold-blooded. They don't regulate their body temperature. Beehives are warm-blooded. They're held at 97 degrees by the bees. So they're warm-blooded entities. Likewise, you're an emergent entity, right? Because none of your cells knows about you. If I take you apart a cell at a time and put every one of those cells in a Petri dish, they can live on. But you would vanish. Like are you ever even there? Like, what are you? Mm-hmm. What is it that you are that is different than the sum of all of your cells? And that you are a super organism. A super organism. And yeah. uh, and so the the all humans who are connected in any way with common culture or common mm-hmm. in any way are part of this big super organism of people. It's nothing mystical or anything like that. It is how a beehive is smarter than any bee. It's a collection <laughs> of humans. Okay. And is, has this emergent property that it makes smartphones and they're cheap, right? Like Agora. Mm-hmm. The, the sure. Agora, by the way, was, was a, was in, in ancient Greece. It was like the part of the town where everything happened. It was the, it was the market. It was the debate society. It was the, you know, they used to, like in a, in Assyria they used to, bring all the sick people and just set them down near the entrance. And when you're walking in, everybody's supposed to yell out their symptoms. And then you're like, Oh, I had that once. And then you go over and talk to that person. And uh, I mean, it's basically like posting your symptoms on a forum and hoping somebody says, Oh, I did that. So everything's happening in the Agora energy of humans. Yeah. And that, by the way, is what the next book is about. It's just awesome. This book leads into Agora, but, ah, it's oh, just that's
0: funny. what I do. I post my monkeypox pictures, and that's how I found out monkeypox on social media. <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, I'm going to put soup What was that term? Super organism. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm putting oh, on my Tinder profile and LinkedIn. That's my new yes, title show. on LinkedIn and and Tinder. That's probably going to get more dates. Especially when I put when I put super in in, in organism, the chicks dig that. I hear. Really? When, I yeah, like the chicks it. dig that. So. We'll do that. What What is your thoughts on, you know, because you've written books about AI, you talk about AI. What's your thought on that whole Google thing? The kerfuffle? <laughs> what, what age do I live in? I've been listening to Biden too much. I love Biden. The kerfuffle from Google where that one engineer dude who wears a top yeah. hat, actually, if you see his photos. Good for him. He looks like the, he looks like he looks. If he wore a, if he had one of those long cigars that women used to use in the sixties, he'd look like the the guy from Batman. What, what was his name? Penguin. The the Penguin. Yeah, he's a fine fellow. I don't mean to be that way, but he does have. I
1: don't know much about the Penguin's past. Uh,
0: well, yeah, I don't. Clearly, I mm-hmm. never. I I was getting laid instead of reading comic books. That's a joke, folks. So, what's your take on him? Declaring that Google's systems, their AI that they're building has become conscious and and is cooking up Skynet and will deliver Terminators next year or something. I don't know.
1: I used to watch this podcast called Voices in AI and we had mm-hmm. 120 guests on it. And I, I'm fortunate that we live in a time when you still get access to a lot of people who were in early, you know, the big brain. It's just wonderful. And, and what I what I like to do is ask them all the same set of questions, mm-hmm. and one of them I would ask them all well, is, do "You believe we can make general intelligence? Hmm. Do you think we can make general intelligence?" And ninety six percent said yes. Hmm. And then I say, hey, "But you agree we don't know how to, right?" Now what's general intelligence? Is there what so what, what is that? that it's artificial intelligence. It's an unfortunate word because it means two unrelated things. It's like the word "pool." Does that mean like? A game pool or a swimming pool. It's like, they're different things. So we use AI for these two different things. And one of them is narrow AI. It's what we know how to do now. It's a real simple technology where you take a bunch of data and you look for patterns in it and you make projections in the future about those, from those patterns. That's your spam filter and that's how you get routed through traffic. And that's great. Networks. that works. But then there's this hypothesized form of AI called general intelligence. And that's an AI like you and I. That is C-3PO. That is Commander Data. That is Ex Machina. That is her from the Joaquin Phoenix movie. That is general intelligence. And so when you hear people say, oh, you know, AI is going to kill us all or whatever, they're not talking about the Stanfield returning on you. They're talking about this hypothesized other kind of intelligence. Now, Uh. we don't know how to make it. And that's what was claimed, that we were almost there. Now, what's important, though, is to understand that 96% of people believed, of AI experts believe we can make it, but they would all agree we don't know how. And so you say, well, why are you so sure we can make it? And their answer is because we are machines with J-intelligence. And so their belief is based on a core belief that people are machines. If, in fact, we are machines, if that is true, then someday we'll build a mechanical human. And then two years later, it'll be twice as good, and two years later, it'll be twice as good. I don't uh-huh. believe people are machines. I And I don't even think you have to go to the soul or anything like that to make the argument that there's something about people that cannot be reproduced in a fab. If there, if there is, then general intelligence is possible, so impossible. And I'm in that camp. It's impossible. You cannot make general intelligence. It will never happen. It will never happen.
0: Yeah, I've seen humans there's no general intelligence what is, what is that line from george carlin 50% of people are dumber than average so there's that and, and you know it's it's kind of interesting you you know you mentioned earlier the uh, you mentioned earlier the thing where people are getting shocked by electricity i, I always just thought that was darwinism <laughs> you know it's there, there's that bell curve of enough people are dumb enough Amongst us to get themselves electric electrocuted and killed, I imagine. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to know how many of those people said, "Hold my beer, watch this." Before that, electricity yes. killed them.
1: Yes. Yes. There
0: should do a, there should be a survey. Someone should conduct some sort of university grant for that.
1: The <laughs> shocking thing about that curve is how many things in life follow it. Oh. If, it if I were to grant Oh, I don't know I mean oh suicide methods or something it would it would follow that from year to year. it would follow that it would that all seems like that where... I have a dumb question.
0: Should't the amount of people go up based upon the fact that we have more people on the planet like we're evidently we're hitting eight billion people right now because people won't stop having kids in Utah or something in Florida. I don't know I mean, shouldn't the number go up? Because we're increasing, you know, the George Carlin fifty percent axis of more stupid people. How come it stays the same if we have more population?
1: Well, um, this is your third book, here. A time. Like if I have automotive accidents by day, you know, there are in the, in the United States thirty six thousand five hundred people die of automobile accidents every year. And if I looked at last year versus the year before last, it's going to be very close like that because again. It's that bell curve. It's something you had to bounce that many times to the right for somebody to die. But you're right. If you compare it to 20 years ago or 20 years in the future, it's different because the populations are different. So I would always pick adjacent years because it, that's apples to apples. And then you have to say, well, why would it stay the same? That's really strange. Yeah. Because, I
0: mean, I can accept there's a certain amount of, you know, Darwinistic is, is a comedy bit, but you know there's just, there's a certain amount of people that experience enough stuff that they're going to happen just odds of you know i mean even police will tell you an accident isn't truly an accident it's it's a series of bad decisions people make and uh and and, and fortunately it ends up involving other people it's kind of like when most people when two parents get together on new year's eve and they've been drinking too much or two singles and then there's an accident that happens it's not really an accident which might make half my audience feel better. That's a joke, folks. Your parents did plan you. Don't worry, it's okay. You'll be fine. See a psychiatrist. Anything more we want to touch out or tease out, Reese? On your on your new book?
1: I didn't hear that. I'm sorry.
0: Anything you want to touch on or tease out more on your on your book as we go out? No, no, we've covered it all. There you guys, it goes. So give me, give us your .dot .com so we can find you on the interwebs. Your .dot .com so we can find you on the interweb? Byron? Our radio is
1: garbled. I ah, okay. If you could give me your .dot .com so we can find you on the interweb, please? Yeah, I'm the world's easiest guy to find. I'm Byron Reese everywhere. ByronReese.com, Byron Reese Gmail, Byron Reese on Twitter. There you go. Order up the
0: book, folks. You'll find it wherever fine books are sold. But stay of those alleyway bookstores because you'll need a tetanus shot. Stories, dice, and rocks that think how humans learn to see the future and shape it. August 23rd, 2022. Also check out his other books. How many other books do you have, Byron? That will published four four and another one in the works so you're prolific and they'll just keep coming thank you very much byron for coming on the show we really appreciate I had it a great time i look forward to, yeah thank you thank you very much thanks to my audience for tuning in go to youtube.com for chris foss see where we are in the interwebs the big linkedin newsletter the big linkedin group and everything we do over there be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time